1: Better not have no plans tonight Movie time and it's feeling right
2: You're looking for a love
1: that lasts You'll find, find it at romance, romance in the podcast. podcast
2: Ooh, ooh baby, had me a hello Ooh, I love you I know Ooh, ooh baby, you're the wind
3: I'll have
1: what she's having. This girl put me on her close friends circle today on Instagram. So every time she posts, I respond. I still feel really special about this. Thank you.
3: <laughs> is it someone you're trying to bang? No. How close is this circle? <laughs> like if you put everyone in the circle around a pool table, <laughs> All
1: of my she works at the gym. I don't know why she did. Well, oh, because we got in trouble and separated in gym class today. Wait, what'd you do? Well, we were doing side planks, and she was like, She is like a model, Uh and I'm me. So she goes, Hey, it's like Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, Did you just call me fucking ugly in gym class? (laughs) I'm going to lie to you. I had the same reaction of anyone at my gym who turned to me and said, It's like Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, Oh, it's like Quasimodo and Isabella or whatever her name was
0: Esmeralda. (laughs) Esmeralda.
1: Speaking of which. Let's start it up, because I have... I,
0: yeah, do you guys want to talk about this movie, please? Late night energy. <sighs> yeah, we're starting this recording at 8.51. Count it. And we have to finish it before midnight, because I gotta go to Taco Bell. Okay. Get it delivered. No. I'll consider it.
3: Thank you for tuning in to Romance of the Pod. You had us at Hello. I'm Paige Wesley.
1: I am Mikey Randolph.
0: And I am Todd Schlosser. And this week, I made you guys watch... Coming Coming to to America America! Coming to America So Why'd you choose? I loved this movie growing up Same It's a classic I'm like 85% sure I only saw the TV cut of this movie That makes sense When I watched it back today I was like oh There's like nudity in the beginning of this movie. And I did not remember that.
3: Dude, it's rated R. This this is an R-rated romantic comedy. I mean,
0: yeah, but I just did not remember that
3: at all. And there are no R-rated romantic comedies anymore. And that's a problem.
0: Like we get maybe one a year, more R-rated romantic comedies and putting it out there. I mean, I'd love that. I mean, but yeah, so I remember really liking this movie from my childhood, wanted to revisit it. It has a lot of the same problems as a lot of 80s movies, which is like, I think they could have cut like 25 minutes out of this. But I like a lot of the side bits because they are funny, but it like breaks down the flow of the movie, if that makes sense. But I like them. I personally
1: feel that the movie is funnier after they get to America. Yes. And like, I did not remember it taking an hour For any of the plot to kick off. And I was like.
3: It takes 28 minutes. I specifically timed it. Yeah. Because this movie, oddly enough, from a screenwriting structure perspective, nails its first act break and nails its second to third act turn. It's just that the second act is about 10 to 15 minutes too long And it's
0: all barbershop Yeah, they're doing bits And I have fun facts to explain that I mean, but like, here's the deal The bits are funny So like, I like the bits But it slows down the movie, you know?
3: Right Like, I've been watching, re-watching True Detective from the beginning And that first season where Matthew McConaughey Just goes on these philosophical rants for an hour Dang. and a half And it just breaks up the case
0: Natalie and I are literally watching the first season We, we just finished it, actually Doesn't
3: it drive you fucking nuts? You're just like Shut the fuck up dude And tell me who killed this lady And put antlers on her
0: I mean they do eventually tell you Like spoiler alerts But it's like Yeah
3: I know but I've got like an episode and a half Of just his musings of like What is humanity really In this veil That we are placed upon this earth. And why must he not be driving a Lincoln
0: in this Lincoln town (laughs) car that we drive
1: all through this TV show? Guys, first off, you don't know what it's like. That's how I talk when I ride in police cars every time.
3: (laughs) You're just like. I don't really think much of religion myself. I think it's more of a framework for men to question who we are inside. And if this tent revival is actually the tent covering the
1: vision of our own souls. And I'm like,
3: shut the fuck up and solve the case. I'm really
1: bad about it. No, that's how, that's how I talk. And my partner's like... We're at a loud music call. You technically don't even need to be here.
0: And also, please get off the PA system.
1: (laughs) The nature of man is darkness. You have betrayed one another, and every day we stray further from God.
0: guys. We are not even into the movie yet. Okay, so what did you guys think about coming to America? And the movie's too fucking long. I I don't think it's that too
3: long, but go
1: ahead. The bits ahead. are too long. It's not SNL. The bits are too long. It takes away from the plot. I'm going to go ahead and say it on a rewatch today. I didn't enjoy it as much as I did growing up because... The side stuff takes too fucking long.
3: I I disagree because I did enjoy it today. I do think the side stuff takes too long. This was written by two SNL writers. I have a (laughs) lot of fun facts about this movie just in general.
1: I think Trading Places is is the superior film of this of this pairing.
3: I do love Trading Places.
0: I mean, but this is Trading Places is not a rom com, but yeah, I love that movie. And the Duke brothers are in this. Yeah, this is a shared
3: universe. Yeah. And and on purpose. That is it is a purposefully shared universe. Do we want to talk about some of the writing and stuff and how this movie comes to be now? Or do you want to wait? Let's do it. Because there's so many fun facts. We kind of have to space them out through the movie. Paige, you had me at yes. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Brief, brief first thoughts. I do think you could trim some pacing, but it's not that bad. I did really enjoy this movie today.
0: Yeah, same.
3: I had a good time. I think it holds up. I think it's fun. If I was trimming, I would trim at least one of the barbershop scenes out and that would solve a lot of it for me. Anyway, yeah. Let's talk about how this movie comes to be. To understand how this movie happens, we have to understand the history of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and also Like
0: all of the history? Okay. No, 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 so no, 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 like no. There one there brief was this point comedy of time. Troupe that Lauren Michaels saw. And he stole their radio idea and put it on TV.
3: Okay, but like after that, it's it's one specific point in SNL <laughs> history that we have to understand.
0: I'll get to it in a second. National Lampoon was that comedy troupe, by the way. Anyway.
3: Well, there was multiples because also SCTV... Which they ended up stealing cast members from, too.
0: Yeah. Everyone loves each other now, and that's what matters.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, everyone's cool (laughs) with each other now. That's not the important part. Yeah. That's not the important part.
1: Everyone who got rich is super cool with each other now.
3: They're not. People got into a fist fight. Yeah. Fist fights on the set of this movie. We will talk about it. Hell yeah. So, earlier today, I also watched the movies that made us episode on this so I could have extra fun facts. I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's super fun. Hell yeah. Uh, But the thing you got to understand is that SNL was kind of at the, even though they stole stuff, I get it, we're not going to get into it, but at the time, they were kind of unique on television for what they were doing. Oh, It yeah. was kind of this weird experiment that had gotten weirdly successful. Yeah. More so than people expected it to.
0: I think everyone thought it would fail. Yes. Because it, it was an insane premise for like a TV show. That kind of stuff would work on the radio because it's more of a captive audience.
3: Not necessarily because there are people who have done it before as more of a late night variety show kind of a thing. Yeah. But the way they were doing it with a cast and a rotating host, that was very different. So that first group of SNL people, the first like five-ish years, got relatively famous. And so a lot of them went on to movies and other careers and stuff. So they left the show over time. Now, SNL as we know it today is like 40 years in. And so they have experienced this turnover multiple times and they have had to weather it. At the time, early in SNL's career, they had not really weathered a departure like that yet. And so they brought in a whole bunch of new people and new writers. Two of those writers are Barry Blounstein and Dave Sheffield, who end up writing this movie. But this is like 10, 15 years before this movie happens. They become some of the head writers at SNL. And it's one of the most hated periods in SNL's history. Yeah, People consider it to be one of the worst casts In SNL history Now I know everyone always says That SNL is terrible But then everyone looks back And is like Wasn't SNL great back in the day So SNL's never as terrible As you think it is It's always as okay As you refuse to admit It is neither wildly great Or terrible at any given time Except this time (laughs) It was terrible And they had hired A new cast member A stand-up comedian He was almost right out of high school He was 19 years old Eddie Murphy. Yeah. But none of the largely white writers of SNL were writing for Eddie Murphy. He would have one or two scenes. That would be about it. And part of the challenge of SNL is when you work there, you have to advocate for people to write for you.
0: Yeah. Or write yourself.
3: Or write yourself. So what happens usually is either people write their own stuff to pitch it and try and get on TV, or they try and partner with a writer. Yeah or team of writers that writes for their voice in particular. Uh, and that's kind of what happens with Eddie Murphy and these two writers, Mary and Dave. So they start writing constantly for Eddie Murphy, where they basically made him their guy that they would write for. Yeah, And because of that, he gets on the show a lot. They get a lot of sketches on. What happens is that Eddie Murphy then from there goes on to do uh, any number of things trading places beverly hills cop etc yeah and the two writers actually get a first look deal at paramount so they're no longer at snl he's not at snl anymore they have a first look deal which basically is like they just go and pitch whatever they want and paramount's like yeah here's some money write that right so that's what they're doing meanwhile eddie has worked with john landis for trading places right huge success mm-hmm. beverly hills cop huge success uh, 48 hours, huge success. He is now a bona fide movie star. Oh, yeah. And the studio says to him, you can make whatever you want. What do you want to make? He goes to these two writers and is like, I have an idea. Here's the kind of movie that I want to make. Now, this will get complicated later because allegedly there is a guy who wrote a similar story that has no love story in it. I think it's a p- case of parallel thinking. Sure, But- essentially he pitches this paramount gives the money they give them five weeks to write it start to finish eddie had like 20 pages but basically eddie like sits in a room with them and is like here's the story as i'm thinking about it and they're like translating that into a script for the three of them wow okay after the movie comes out another guy will claim that he came up with a script even though again i think it was parallel thinking but he sues Paramount, Paramount settles, which basically like kills the careers of those two writers. Oh, wow. because then every time they're like, oh, we wrote Coming to America. They're like, oh, so you stole it. They didn't. They worked very, very hard to write this and a pilot for Eddie Murphy that they don't get paid for and never really gets made. So it's like kind of a sad story for them. Oh, that sucks. But a huge part of a lot of the success of this movie is that Eddie Murphy works collaboratively with those two SNL writers to write this movie. Now, like four weeks into that five-week writing period, Eddie Murphy decides that he wants to do a Peter Sellers thing and play multiple characters in the movie. (laughs) This is the first time he does that. Now, he will go on to do that in other movies like Nutty Professor, etc. Yeah, he does it a lot. He loves doing it, but this is like his first time. So he actually asks the writers to write in extra pieces for him and Arsenio Hall to do. So that's how they end up playing all those different characters. That's how all those extra pieces get put in almost after the fact.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Because it feels like that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I also opened for Arsenio Hall one time and have wild stories, but he's a super nice guy. So
0: I think he's great in this movie. He
3: was really nice in person, too. He that's awesome. So like, fuck it, I'll tell it now. So I opened for Arsenio a couple weeks after Trump won. So like 2016, 2017. Yeah. And even then, like the the comedy industry has gotten somewhat better for women over time. But at the time and even still now, 80 percent or more of your headliners are male. And so if you want to become a headliner yourself or even just get booked more, you are kind of reliant on someone who is already at that point to take you with them or to at least have you open for them so other people can see you. And part of the gender discrepancy in comedy is that a lot of those male headliners don't take women openers for a myriad of reasons. And also women have to be careful that they won't get sexually assaulted by the person who takes them on the road. Uh, So Arsenio at the time toured for like two years and every city he went to every club he went to, he would call ahead and be like, I want your two best women to open for me. And it was different people every time. And he told us that he like got in fights with some people where they were like, no, we don't have any. And he was like, I know you do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know you have someone. And he said that no one ever had a bad set. It like for two yeah. plus years, it went great. He always had great openers. It was wonderful, but he did it just because he was like, somebody will see them if they open for me. Yeah. So
0: that's like awesome. That's honestly. really cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, he like, no kidding. Genuinely a nice dude. Like I have nothing bad to say about him. But his L.A. leg, his feature was Taylor Tomlinson and I was the opener. Oh, and shit. So that, that would be an amazing right? <laughs> yeah. show. That's, so that's what he had for L.A. And it was literally just a few weeks after Trump won, which I know is really crazy because in the episode that you guys haven't heard yet on Horror Virgin, Shandalia White, who was our guest on that one, was there with me like the week before this happened, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, right after Trump won. And it was right after Arsenio had been on Celebrity Apprentice. So like we're in the green room and he's like, man, that guy's my friend, but he's fucking nuts. (laughs) We were like, (laughs) yeah, no shit. But he was genuinely nice. He like watched our sets, which headliners almost never do. Yeah, that's super. And like came over and was like, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. But yeah, Arsenio, good people. He was great. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. Anywho, I liked this movie. I had a good time today.
0: (laughs) I did too. It was it was great. Honestly, I've had a rough few days. And this was a fun thing to like sort of feel nostalgic about, honestly. Cause I grew up watching this movie a lot. It's a
1: classic, but I mean, some of this stuff, when it went long, it was a perfect time to like check your phones and like scroll a little bit.
0: Uh, yeah, and I agree, Mikey. I brought it up first. I feel like it does drag the move, like the plot of the movie down. I just like the bits because they're funny. And man, I find Arsenio Hall's preacher character so funny oh so funny it is so funny to me is that cuba gooding jr in the bar it the, is the barbershop scene it, it is with just no like lines. him. i didn't google it because i figured you him. would know okay it's him. it's him it's been driving me crazy i've been trying not to shout it at you for the full 25 minutes we were talking before we started recording it was driving me crazy so it's good to know it was him it was him this is also one
3: of samuel l jackson's first roles People did not understand the wonderful power of Samuel L. yet. But I feel like in this movie, he's basically his character from Pulp Fiction just a few years before Pulp Fiction happens. Right. And I love it. Yeah. He's so fun. (laughs) It's great.
0: He does have a he has a great voice for just yelling anything. (laughs) and I'm here <laughs> for it. What the fuck? I know it's so, <laughs> so good. everything he yells is like so good. That's
1: basically 20 years of his career.
3: I love it. Yeah. I
1: love it. He's great
3: at it. He is great at it. That's a thing about this movie too. There so John Landis in the documentary actually talks about how because he was working with Eddie on this movie, he was actually very very excited That they were going to do this big budget romantic comedy that is essentially a black romantic comedy. Yeah, it is. In the 80s. In the 80s, but done with all of the the budget and the the fame that every white romantic comedy typically has. Like they were going to do it. Sure. And because this was going to be such a big project, everyone and their brother was willing to do this movie. So this movie is star studded like it is i'm gonna talk about so- a few different characters as we go through uh because there are a handful that i like rabbit hold about because i was like the the career that this person has for them to be like mainly remembered for this movie but to then like look back at all the other stuff they did and be like they were too famous for this movie <laughs> and yet they're in it <laughs> this is what's happening this is a who's who of people who were famous back then yeah. and would go on to be even more famous. It's great.
0: Darth Vader's in this movie. like He was already very, very famous. No, oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, they got really big names to be in this movie. They did.
3: They did indeed. Uh, and even big names behind the scenes, too. So... There's so much like interesting behind-the-scenes stuff that like I'll, I'll try and spread it out because otherwise we could talk about just the weird Hollywood political mechanics of this movie forever. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. We'll pepper it through because there's a lot to know about this movie.
1: Yeah, I kind of, it's basically reverse Aladdin and I enjoyed that <laughs> plot a little bit and uh, I really liked Eddie Murphy and the main uh, female leads. As you all know out there, I am not good with names Lisa Lisa Yes I liked their story I mean I didn't like that Like the reason he's like That's the first attractive American woman I see Let's follow her home
3: But she's not though Because there's a beauty competition And he doesn't go for Any of those girls He goes for the girl Who gets up and is well spoken And has passion about Things in her life It's true Yeah
0: I think he's really Looking for someone He can have a conversation with He's way more advanced From where I was When I was 21 You know what I'm saying Like he is looking For someone to actually marry yeah. <laughs> Yes You know what I'm saying That's not yes. what I was looking for At 21
1: It was the 80s It was a different time
0: I mean yeah He was about to be dead In probably 30 <laughs> years Or whatever right So like No but I, I like their story But it is
1: reverse Aladdin He's like I'm gonna be poor
3: Well no I think <laughs> Aladdin is reverse Coming to America Because Aladdin comes after
1: Oh that's true Yeah That's very true
3: But it's basically Prince and the Popper.
1: Is that a musical
3: No it's a, it's a classic story That has occurred Through literature In many iterations Over time
0: Guys it's basically The Julia style vehicle the prince and me uh which we've done an episode on so like I don't know why you're confused by this that comes after this that's just white coming to America and it is shittier (laughs) it is way shittier yeah like this is the better version of it for sure a hundred I love okay so this film when I watched this as a child
1: and this is the lens I probably still watch it today before I've developed everything else all the McDonald's scenes are the funniest to me for some reason. McDowell's. And I don't Yeah, McDonald's? Yeah. It still holds up for me. I was like every scene in the restaurant makes me laugh and that's where the peak is. But I did like their love story more when I was looking at it this time.
3: Yeah. One of my rabbit holes is McDonald's and the people therein. So when we get to it in the movie, I'll save it for that, and we can rabbit hole then. Okay. Because otherwise, we will we will talk for an hour before we start talking about this movie. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Why don't we just jump into the movie so we can talk about it scene by scene, and we can just kind of knock these things down as we go through.
3: Let's do it. Yeah. So we open on Zamunda, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous kingdom with a huge, gorgeous palace. That's definitely a matte painting, but it looks good. It does look good. All of the palace and everything are all uh, sets and sound stages. But one of the interesting things that we kind of talked about earlier on is story by Eddie Murphy, script by David Sheffield and Barry Blaustein. That's that kind of brain trust that comes up with this movie. We open on them waking the prince up. Now, I want to point out a really funny continuity error, and there are multiple continuity errors in this movie because Eddie Murphy was not always on set. For various reasons, we will discuss as we mm. go through this film. Oh, I can't wait. The set of this movie was fucking wild.
1: <laughs> this is the era where he would like eat sushi off of naked women stuff, right?
3: This is before that. This is leading up to ah. that era. But this is, he had a massive entourage on film. He was very superstitious Because he was so famous and kind of always got what he wanted, he would make strange demands. And we will get into some of that. But one of those things is that either because he had other obligations like gigs or because he believed that Los Angeles was going to fall into the ocean because of a big earthquake, he was not in some scenes. Uh, And so they have to just shoot around him. Or because he and the director had gotten into a literal fist fight and refused to be in the same room. sometimes <laughs> they would have to shoot around him. I don't know if this is one of those or if it was just a set issue, but you watch the like assistant and, and it's the king's assistant who servant that we kind of see throughout the movie. Yeah yeah, uh, but he goes to like cue the band. but to do that, he like opens a door and turns on a stereo and he's standing in front of it. And then when he cues the band, there's a bed there and he's standing to the side of the bed. There's no way that bed could have been there in the shot before where he reached the stereo. It's like he would have been standing where Eddie Murphy's head was. Yeah, But it's just the first of many times that you're like, where is Eddie Murphy in this movie? And we will get to it. But Eddie Murphy wakes up. He goes through his morning routine, including the bathing where the royal penis is clean, which I do love. That is one of my favorite visual gags in the movie because it's just too long underwater where you're like, yeah, how long is she holding her breath? And then she pops up and it's just like the royal penis is clean. And you're like, how long was she under there? Like. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah. It is very
0: funny. Yes. I had either forgotten about it completely or this was not in the cut I saw.
3: Oh, no. It's not
0: in the TV version at
3: all. This is exclusively in the fun version. (laughs) They brush his teeth. They have him pick out shoes. They scatter petals as he walks through the throne room. And we find out that it's his 21st birthday, which means he's going to meet his wife to be a person that he has never seen. He goes to breakfast in the dining room with his parents, where the table is so long that they have an intercom to talk to each other. And he basically gets exhausted (laughs) with it, walks over to them, and is just like, I'm tired of the all of it of being prince. I know. This is ridiculous. I want to go find my own wife. It would be ridiculous, (laughs)
0: though. Yeah. I do love how, like, when they're having conversations, there are like, elephants walking around behind them just outside the, like, palace, I don't know, like, dining hall or whatever. It it does remind me, like, I forget the 80s was just, like,
1: hedonism and, like, unabashed (laughs) capitalism worship. And you're just like... Oh yes, this is what people aspire to. Nowadays it's like this would be the villains plot.
0: Right, right. (laughs) Oh, I did think it was wild that in the eighties Someone who just, like, owns one restaurant fast food location could have, like, a mansion? Like, that was insane to me, but whatever. Oh,
1: I I think if you own a restaurant, if it's successful, you
0: could do that.
3: Honestly, even now, if you owned one McDonald's, you could potentially afford a house. Like, the franchising...
0: I, I don't mean just a house, like, the house like he has.
3: Well, let's put this into context, okay? Because Jamaica, Queens is where Donald Trump grew up. Yeah. But by this time in the 80s... His family had left and moved into Manhattan. Gentrification had kind of shifted the lines of where people were. And Jamaica, Queens was not necessarily considered as nice as it once was. So even though he lives in Jamaica estates in Queens and it's nicer than where Eddie Murphy and everybody lives, it's probably not a crazy expensive house. But also, depending on the restaurant you franchise... And in this case, he's not franchising. He created his own, which means that he's not having to pay back any profits. That actually checks out that as long as that McDowell's is frequented by people, which it does. It's always packed. He could potentially afford that house. It actually, money-wise, it pencils, weirdly enough. Fair enough. But don't buy a Subway franchise. That's the worst one.
0: That's what they say.
3: But McDonald's, usually you get a return on your investment because it's McDonald's.
0: McDonald's, fucks.
3: Anyway. He wants to find his own wife and he's like, well, what if I don't love her? And they're like, whatever. It's She was designed to cater to you. She has been raised to just serve you, basically. I was worried about what happened to her in the end of the movie.
0: Me too. Is she still like hopping around barking? Like, I am so worried about her. I hope she got a chance to go to college
3: or something. Um, She deserves it. I you know, or maybe she ends up with Arsenio Hall, but I thought that the person that ended up with Arsenio Hall was somebody else. I don't know. The
1: sister? No, she was mad. I, I do think it was the per- the other person.
3: I think it was, yeah. Or at least they're standing next to each other and kind of smiling at the end. So
0: Oh, you mean at the wedding. Yeah, yeah. I think yes. it is the lady who was supposed to be the initial queen. I believe so.
3: Yeah. Although wouldn't you be bummed? You'd be like, No, I was almost so rich. I got the
0: impression that Arsenio Hall was super fucking rich back in their home country.
3: Also, probably. Yeah, like... Yeah, Yeah, he he reminds me of Henry Cavill's character on The Tudors where he's like the king's best friend so everything is paid for all the time. Hell yeah. As long as the king likes you, which means that you live in fear that
0: the king will not like you someday. So if you guys have mentioned Henry Cavill on your... Romancing the Pod, drinking, card or whatever. <laughs> Take a shot. Uh, hey Todd, uh, how did your brother uh, die? Uh, 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 uh,
1: uh,
2: Henry Cavill uh, killed uh,
1: him. Uh, uh. No, sorry. Um, all right, man. We were we were gonna go the whole episode without that shit, and now it's like now it's in there. Too
0: bad. Ugh. He loved this movie too. We should talk about it. Like your brother yeah. loved this movie. Henry Cavill loves
3: this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, I don't. Know, maybe, probably. It's a fun movie. Yeah, anyway, great. yeah. Arsenio Hall comes in. It's another beautiful day in Zamunda, and they have their little like fight training, which is check off SPO staff that will come back later at McDowell's. But this is where they have kind of an argument where Arsenio Hall's character is like, she just has to be pretty and stand there. Why do you care? And Eddie's like, no, I want someone whose opinion I will value. That like, right? We can share, and and she can advise me. I can advise her. Like it's that it's a a collaborative relationship. Yeah. So we cut to th- that night at the castle, where I do love that someone is selling shirts of Eddie Murphy's face outside the palace, and it is hilarious to me. Yeah. yeah. It's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> but there's like a train of elephants. There's all these famous dignitaries, and like. Everyone's dressed up. It's this huge formal event. And they start off with basically, hey, we'd like to announce that, you know, Princess Amani is coming. So, first, we want to introduce her with these dancers. Now, we got to fucking talk about the dancers. We got to
0: talk about the dancers. It
1: it, it is a longer scene than I remembered.
0: It's like two minutes of them dancing. Yes. It's like impressive though. Like it's crazy. It's a full recital.
3: Well, let's talk about it. Did it seem to remind you of the fake African dancing in Can't Buy Me Love? Yes!
0: The African Annie original!
3: Funny, we should mention that because it was choreographed by the same person. That's amazing! Oh, wow. And that person is Paula Abdul. Okay. At the time, her first album had not come out yet. She was still a Laker girl, yeah, but she was. also choreographing things on the side. So she choreographed it because she lied about knowing about African dance. Good for her. But also, I will say almost everyone in this movie is like, is it an accurate depiction of Africa? No, this is a fairy tale. And I'm actually, I think describing this as a fairy tale works for me. Yeah. Because it is. Yeah. Like, it, it is. She gets to be a princess. It's a whole thing. Anyway. Yeah. When they first tried to do the dance to shoot it, First of all, all the costumes were made by John Landis' his wife, who is a famous costume designer. Awesome. Like in her own right. Like, sure. you know, she had a career, they met on set. Anyway, so she had designed all the costumes, but they had laid down this new floor on the set and they kept slipping. So dancers were like getting hurt. Like Boston ankles out here. Yes, because they were in jazz shoes, but they couldn't do it barefoot. They look barefoot, but they're actually in like jazz sandals.
0: I've actually, uh, I've owned a set of those. I have
3: as well. I have as well. Yes, yes, yes. So they're not barefoot, (laughs) but that meant that they were slipping everywhere because they always have like suede on the bottom of them. Yeah. So they had to spray the dance floor down with spray adhesive. So that it was tacky enough for them to do the whole dance, which does include pieces of the dance from Camp I Me Love. You're welcome.
0: I thought it did. Yeah, I recognize some of them.
3: And, well, and Camp I Me Love was only one year before this. So she like recycled some of it into there and fully admits it Smart. in the documentary.
0: Good for her, man. Like, I listen, sh- she has done well for herself. Good for her. Good for you, Paula Abdul. Yeah. Way to fake it till you make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, good for <laughs> you. <laughs>
3: but. They they part. She walks down the aisle as the king's servant sings this wild, hilarious like you're queen to be. I Asterical. loved it. So the
0: lyrics are bonkers. I know. It's so funny. It is like a it is like a falsetto song about how this lady is like born and bred for <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Yes, but like yes. sung by a large man who's like leaning back every high note. Like it's it's so funny I love it It's like
3: perfect I'm also obsessed with her dress That dress is gorgeous But my favorite part is it has a crazy long train And so when Eddie Murphy's like Hey can we go talk for a second I just want to get to know you He has to like wait for her train to finish coming <laughs> into the room I thought that was so funny too Yeah it's so great Watching in the background come down a couple sets of stairs Yeah <laughs> So
0: funny. Have you ever been to a wedding where like the bride comes out to like a dance like that? No. Yes. Yeah. Th- th- it ha- it happens in the South. It's like just like this, except, you know, instead of like the African music. It's like um the electric slide or some shit like that. It's at the reception,
1: though.
3: I've seen videos of where like the bride, like the bridal party does a dance, and it always seems hella cringe because white people don't got wear them. <laughs> uh, but also depending on the song they pick and depending on how well your bridal party can dance, questionable. (laughs) I mean, those are the kind of things
0: that are good in like for 15 seconds. You got 15 seconds, the bit is over and we move on to something else. Like I I lose my attention span very quickly on that kind of stuff.
3: I have never seen it happen in a video and been like, I'm glad that happened (laughs) as
0: opposed to people just walking. That's how I feel about every gender reveal video I've ever seen. Now, here's the thing. At the reception, pop off. Yes. Go off. Yeah, it's it's party time at that point. That's the time. Yeah. Yeah. This is the expensive party you paid for. Guys,
1: every wedding I'm in, if I go to a wedding, I'm like, this is this person's, sometimes a couple, but mostly one of them is like, this is my day. So, like, inherently, it's a narcissistic endeavor of being like... This is about me. And that's fine. You get a day every now and then. But I mean, like, how far do you want to take it? That's the question you should look in the mirror and ask yourself. Like, how far do I want to bring all of the people who know me into my day?
3: I don't know. I felt like with mine, I really tried to be like, Yeah, it is about us as a couple for sure. Like, that's why we had a very serious and straightforward ceremony and then a really fun reception. Yeah. But I feel like it's one of those things where a lot of the choices we made were like, does this represent us as people, just who we actually are? And will everyone else have fun with it? Because this is just one party for a relationship that has to last way beyond the party. So, like, there's something I'm not going to fight over. But yeah, no, we didn't have any coordinated dancing, but I also didn't have a bridal party. so
0: I did. We didn't dance because i I can't I can't dance. I mean, I dance at the reception. like i I will dance at weddings. I'll dance at any wedding. Todd only
3: dances from the shoulders up.
0: It's great. <laughs> That's so
1: true, Paige. <laughs> do you think if you would have danced, the relationship would have worked out.
0: Oh my marriage? Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. I don't mean to share Todd's relationship history with the podcast. Oh he has just told me in confidence that They divorced because he refused to dance at their wedding
0: I actually danced at my reception I didn't dance at the wedding
1: I don't know man, irreconcilable dancing You
0: know what, here's a real story about my wedding Oh here we go That nobody knows Oh, You guys ready for some tea? Are we bleeping this out or are we keeping it in? Yeah, keep it in, who cares So during my wedding uh, I gave my phone to someone to hold I was like, "Here, hold on to this Mm -hmm. Because I don't want it It's my wedding day Right. Anyway, they're in the audience and someone's cell phone goes off during the ceremony. Was it yours? It was mine. <laughs> Who
3: was calling you that day?
0: The future to
3: warn you about what was about to happen. <laughs> Just chase Visa or something.
1: It's you, Todd, from the future. Fuck, I forgot. I don't have my phone on me. What day is it? What
0: year? <laughs> have you renewed your car's extended warranty? Mm. Let's not get into who was calling me. No, now we need to. The fact wait, that you wait. don't want who to tell us you? means now I need to know. Yeah, who yeah, is yeah. calling you? Okay, we can get into that too. Let's put a pin in it though because okay. I have not... not... Not told anybody except for me and the person who was holding my phone who knew, right? Because they, like, the phone went off for a while, guys, because they didn't know how to silence it. It wasn't their phone.
3: Yeah, because they don't have a code. It's not their phone. Yeah, Yeah. right,
0: right, right. So, like, anyway, my now ex-wife, for reasons that will be clear by the end of this story, was very upset about it. And I was like, yeah, that's super rude. I don't know whose fucking phone that was. And still doesn't know who's, fo- like, I mean, if she listens to this, she'll know now. But it was mine.
1: Whatever, too late. It
0: was my phone. I apologize. Great. Who is was calling? Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: You lied to your wife on your wedding day about whose phone that was? Yeah.
0: I, I suppose <laughs> the answer to that question is yes, Michael. <laughs> I suppose it's yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, I am now...
1: Closing the loop On all this
0: No Mikey what (laughs) would you do (laughs) It's a no No one loses in that (laughs) Who is (laughs) going No No
3: no no you're trying to avoid telling us who was calling you By trying to promote another no, line of questioning no, And I'm not going to stand for it uh-huh. I was going to tell
0: you Mikey interrupted To do this Who was it? So there's someone who I think And Natalie will know who I'm talking about When she hears this Because she still is like Natalie thinks pursuing some sort of connection with me That I know from my childhood Okay uh, And it was her who called me Was she not at the wedding? No she was not Did she know it was happening that day? She did Oh She was just calling me to see how I was doing. What? Yeah. But
1: then you lied to your wife about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well, thank you for taking
1: us down that trail. I loved every second of it and put some pieces together about your past that make a lot of sense now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So would you, so Mikey, you would have been like, oh, that was my phone, babe. That was my phone that went off during the wedding.
1: I would assume if I'm marrying someone, I'd like to not lie to them about stuff like that. I'd be like, it's my... I'm a dumbass I left my phone there And it was mine I have no idea Where
3: my
0: phone was that day Yeah That's what I wanted For me that day Yeah
1: but he heard The Creed ringtone Over and <laughs> over <laughs>
0: Can you take My hand
1: marry <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: sorry, sorry
1: Besides It's always Most stuff is my fault Like that anyway So she's gonna Kind of figure it out That
0: is true man She would be like That's your phone You have cultivated This like buffoon energy that like i think you nail because you're not a buffoon you're actually a very smart dude but like if you do something stupid everyone's like oh that's mikey buffoonery happens around me and close to me at all times <laughs> agreed
3: as a comedian i would have called it out during the ceremony yeah,
1: i would i been mean, like that's my phone because
3: i'm close enough to a microphone and i would have been like whose phone is that and when they were like i saw who it was i'd be like oh my bad i had something else going today <laughs> like I, I would have turned it into a bit like when they asked if anyone objected and i glared at the crowd i did that at my wedding that was fun i got a great laugh i, I mean salvageable i wouldn't have lied about it i would have owned it Fair. i also didn't have a videographer though so it wasn't ruining anything except the moment for all of us
1: existing in that moment yeah i i would have it would have been i would have been like oh my god there's my phone. Then <laughs> like went and got it and came back up. I've
0: been looking for that all day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I would have selfie. pulled it out, started talking to him, doing crowd work, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be like,
1: oh, it's Claudia Schiffer. She wants to marry me. Ah. <laughs>
0: She's trying
1: to object, click. How oh, did I get married 1988 when this movie came out? I told you, Julia Roberts, that I can't get m- I don't know how old, when you got married. At zero?
0: Like, what? <laughs>
1: It's Clark Gable to come to
3: take you away from me. Hey, partner, it's me, John Wayne. I just wanted to wish you the best on your back. I don't think John Wayne
1: was
0: into women. Um, I mean.
1: That's not who he was calling for.
0: Yeah, he was calling you, Todd. It's a good point. I've seen the way that man wears shorts. That's all I'm saying.
3: I'm calling you out to go to dinner. As friends, unless you want it to be more.
0: <laughs>
3: I do think.
0: We should get back into the movie.
3: Yeah, and went back to this to this movie as opposed to being, you know, talking about Todd's mistakes. (laughs) Uh, So he pulls her aside because he wants to talk to her, and he's like, "Hey, what do you like? What are your favorite things?" She's like, "Whatever your favorite things are." And he's like, "Okay, but you have to. What do you like?" And and he basically is like, "I know. I need someone who is their own person."
0: But he does command her to bark like a dog and hop on one leg. And she leaves the room doing that, insinuating that she is still doing that. Potentially. It's terrifying. I guess we do see her at the end. So she stopped.
3: Yes. And at this point, James Earl Jones takes him outside and is just like, isn't she great? She's beautiful. And he's like, she's she's very pretty, but I don't think I'm ready to get married And he's like, wait, I have to have the sex talk with you? I fully thought you were having sex with your servants because we're royals and that's what royals do and I'm doing it. So, like, is this unclear to you? And he's like, oh, no, 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 not not that. Uh, no, I, I just want to like travel the world and have sex with
0: random people. And he's like, oh, that's fine. Take the jet. Uh, like Go ahead. Yeah. I think that Eddie Murphy actually is like, I want to go find if and see if I can fall in love with someone of substance. That's
3: what he wants. Right. That's not yeah. what he tells his father.
0: Well, I think he is sort of being honest with the way he's phrasing it. But his dad just assumes he wants to go on a sexcation. Before he gets married So James Earl Jones is like hell yeah go do it Yeah sex tourism why not go ahead have, uh, have fun So he and Arsenio Hall
3: plan their trip to America They flip a coin To go to either LA or New York I love that there are like so many places to go in America LA or New York Like just one of the two They flip uh, it and they're uh, like New York
0: uh. Okay but where in New York Queens yeah where can a king go find a wife in New York and then it zooms it on Queens and you're like well there you go
3: now here's what's tough because we have a special guest next week they have picked their movie but I did offer this movie if they wanted to come on for this one. Oh, did you and they currently live in Queens <laughs> nice but they picked their own movie and so we'll announce it at the end anyway so they're gonna go to Queens I do think they. it looks like they're flying the Concorde, which is no longer a thing, but it was British Airways that gets you there in half the time. Yeah, they
1: do fly the Concorde over. Yeah, I think they rode on it. They didn't fly it Who
3: knows Well yeah I I don't think they're Piloting it (laughs)
0: Mikey. I mean but who knows We do get like a Dune fight sequence Early in the movie To establish their characters Which I thought Was a little nuts
3: It it was crazy It
1: was nuts It was nuts
3: I loved it though But also I loved it It It's great Anyway They show up with a ton Of
0: suitcases that immediately immediately get stolen. I thought that was so fucking funny.
3: Let's fucking talk about that. Uh so <laughs> we talked a little bit just very briefly about how Eddie Murphy had a huge entourage on this movie. Huge entourage. Sure. Turtle, the other one, all of them. The brother, the little guy. The other the other guy, uh Jeremy <laughs> Piven. So, according to multiple people in the props department, Eddie Murphy would just like give things away to his entourage and be like, "Yeah, props probably has another one." Whatever what yes now Here's the thing a lot of the Time props does have another One but you usually can't Take anything until the Movie's like over sure yeah Because like continuity
0: and Shit continuity yeah yeah.
3: but he Kept giving stuff away and What he didn't realize was That on this movie they were Famous enough the movie had Enough backing from the Studio they were using real Louis Vuitton suitcases and Real Rolexes oh shit Uh so he Was giving away like hundreds Of thousands of dollars of Props that they were either going to return after or or put in, like, check into props for the studio. Right. Uh, that walked <laughs> with Theandra. Wow, And okay. again, not because not people were stealing it. No, because he was giving it away. Yes, like, yeah. people would be like, man, I like that watch. He's like, take it. Props probably has another one. <laughs> and he probably thought it was like a, a replica
0: for the movie, you know? I'm sure he thought they were fake, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's really funny. Which I think is, like, I would understand making that mistake, even though it's like a huge yes. dollar value mistake. Right. You're like on a movie, you know, like the world around you was fake. And here's
3: the thing. Most of the time on set, they do have multiples of everything. Yeah. Just in case for continuity. And ma- they do make a lot of stuff in house. But there's some stuff that like if you have to source it, you can only find so many or whatever. But yeah. So that was kind of a, a really funny aside. That's awesome. Anyway, they go to Queens. All their luggage is stacked on top of the taxi cab. They get there. They they pop into the barber shop. They go upstairs to get a room. That's when all their stuff gets stolen. Yeah. But in the barber shop is where Cuba Gooding Jr. is sitting in the seat. He has no lines. No lines. But
0: it is him. That's awesome.
3: It is him. This is one of those asides where Eddie Murphy's playing two different characters in the scene because he plays the old Jewish man and the one of the barbers. Yeah. Arsenio Hall also plays a barber. Cuba Gooding Jr. is there, and so. This is one of those asides for them to just, like, kind of live in these alternate characters. Yeah. And according to everyone on set, when they put him into the old Jewish man makeup, he, like, became a new person. Like, they, <laughs> like a ton of that stuff is just <laughs> ad-libbed. Like, some of it's written, but a lot of it's just ad-libbed because of how Eddie Murphy felt in that skin.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: <laughs> Which is real fun to me. Yeah. Anyway, the landlord takes their money for a terrifying room. People steal their luggage. But Eddie Murphy is thrilled. This is what he wanted, basically, was, like, real poor life, essentially. Yeah. But I do love that when they walk into the room, he's like, yeah, there's no window. I I was renting it to a blind person because they could not see. And they walk in, and there's, like, blood on the walls, and then there's chalk outlines where there were bodies, but it's like a person and a dog, and he's like shame what- dog page. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, he's like I- shame what they did to that dog, and you're like, oh my
2: god, know, oh my so god. Sad.
0: I mean, but like funny in this type of like movie, like it's, yeah, the
3: vi- the visual gag of the chalk outline of the dog because they're. It's almost as if he's walking the dog, (laughs) like the way the outline is positioned. That's the way it looks, yeah. So
0: (gasps) funny. It
1: is, it is.
3: So funny. Yeah. But they're very excited. Now, as they lean out the fire escape of that building, I think, and I I tried to find in Fun Facts, I couldn't make sure. I think this is the same building that they use in season one of Law & Order Organized Crime, so like a couple years ago. There was a whole season revolving around That building and I'm pretty sure it's the same one
1: Hello Todd it's Mikey Hello Mikey it's Todd (laughs) I need to tell you something
0: Mikey it's fine you'll be a great dad That's
1: we're gonna table that
0: (laughs) But on that table Is a delicious factor meal Yes (laughs) what a trip (laughs) <laughs> oh, my God, guys. This actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for Factor Meal
1: on <laughs> Romance of the Pod. Heck, We're yeah. We're going to table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals, never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up. Just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. And I... <laughs> I have a problem with Words (laughs) Words. Yeah, words is one Uh, (laughs) Ordering
0: out is another one Same, I ordered out tonight Yes I literally got, let's just say a Factor equivalent meal For Natalie and I And it was like $48 When it could have been way less with Factor Yeah And I I struggle with
1: proportions And Factor comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef ready I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used Factor Meals,
0: especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with Factor, except for right now because (laughs) Factor is giving 50% (laughs) off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash
1: romancingthepod50 and use code romancingthepod50 to get 50% off, that's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an g- easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was
0: the I end know. of the app.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm still going. All right, Factor Meals. Factor Meals. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Anyway, they buy new clothes so that they look like New Yorkers. And this is where we first see the commercial for Soul Glow. Which Daryl's parents, it is implied that he's, they call him Soul Glow Prince. I don't know if his parents own Soul Glow. It does seem like they do because they are rich. Or if they're just saying that because he's got a bitch and jerry curl. Either way. (laughs) Yeah. Can I just say,
0: I love that Soul Glow song. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It is falsetto majesty of 80s. I love it. It was so great. Anyway,
3: they trim off his braid at the back. His one lock that he'd been growing since he was, he was a kid. And he does at one point try to get a jerry curl and they're like, no, your hair, you have good hair, dude. Like, it looks amazing. Yeah. Leave it as is. I'm glad they talk him out of it. If a hairstylist talks you out of something that would look bad on you, that's a good hairstylist.
0: Trust them. I do sort of love how he just like cuts all of like his ponytail off. He's like, can you just tighten it up or like make it look good? He's like, yeah. Click and like there you go. Tosses it over (laughs) his shoulders like that'll be eight bucks. It just it's very funny to me. What a deal. Yeah.
3: Anyway, they go to the clubs and the bars, and we get a montage of a myriad of different women who all have their own varying degrees of questionable problems, personality defects, any number of things. And I do love that none of them are purely just air quotes ugly. It's all like, no, I worship the devil, or I have a <laughs> drinking problem,
0: or my <laughs> husband's on death row. Yeah, she's like, I'm basically single. My husband's on death He's row. On death row. Yeah, it's but and there's one that's like one of them is Arsenio Hall in a wig. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not the one I was thinking of. There's one that's like I'm gonna like make the I like make these videos, but I want to star in these oh, videos. yeah, and then I want to be a pop singer and then a rock singer. And I was like, calm down. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like, gonna write my own scripts or whatever. Like. I I know people who are like dreamers like that. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah,
3: (laughs) I will only listen to you if you've attempted to do any of those things.
0: Yeah. Like and not even like I don't even care necessarily if you've been successful at it. Like, are you work actually working towards it? Yeah, No,
3: I just need you to have attempted.
0: Yes. Because then it's different. You know, like you're actually doing things. Yeah.
3: If you're like, I've been working on this pilot. It's about this. I will hear you out. What I won't hear is, I want to do all these things. What have you done to do that? Uh, exactly. Anyway, he can't find a lady in this club.
1: Right, been there. So they
3: show <laughs> they come back to the barber shop and they're just like, "What is going on?" And they're like, "Oh, that's not where you meet the nice ladies. Come with us to the Black Awareness Rally. There, you'll meet the nice ladies." Now, this rally is pretty fun. Because it involves both Arsenio Hall's preacher character. Love it. Plus a beauty pageant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plus a a band, a concert. Sexual chocolate! Sexual chocolate! I love it. uh, With Eddie Murphy's alternate character, Mr. Randy Watson. Yeah. Who played Joe the Policeman in a What's Going Down episode, That's My Mama, Randy Watson. (laughs) Sexual chocolate. But after all of that, Lisa McDowell comes up to make a speech about how they're trying to support... Uh, the rejuvenation of lincoln park and they're trying to community like contribute to raising up the community yeah. for the children and the people in the future and she collects money for that now her boyfriend is in the audience and does not give any money to the cause and they make a point of showing that oh yeah
1: they did show it
3: eddie murphy does though uh or rather akeem i should i should specify which eddie murphy gives him like a fat stack yeah yes and at this point akeem is like That's the woman because like not only is she beautiful, passionate, but she's passionate about things. She has thoughts of her own. She is well spoken that girl. So they give out the address to McDowell's, which we will find out is a knockoff McDonald's. It's not like a joke for the movie. Like he actively at one point has the McDonald's manual. Like he has. Ju- he was a franchisee who went rogue and I love it.
0: I think it's, t- it's too different for me. Like I don't think they're at all related. Like the Big Mick sounds way different <laughs> than the Big Mac to me. <laughs> I think he's operating in a very distinct area. Okay, so one of our favorite restaurants down the street used to be let's just say a 50s themed diner sure there was some beef between the franchise and the franchisee and the franchisee was like fuck y'all i'm going rogue and just on january 1st became his own restaurant and the whole town is like yes we're all gonna go support this guy's restaurant so uh i hope that that's what happened here
3: i hope so too again McDowell's was my rabbit hole So shall we jump into the rabbit hole?
0: Oh shit, is it down here? Okay, nice, yes, let's do it Let's do it I assume they got permission from McDonald's to do this
3: Yeah, because they actually use McDonald's logo once or twice in the movie They
0: do, and they also like sort of plug the ingredients that are in the Big Mac, yeah yeah.
3: Well, as we know from recent media McDonald's will give their likeness to almost anyone who asks as long as you're not portraying it negatively. Yeah. Same thing with Apple. I mean, now, granted, you still have to, like, you know, work with them legally, but. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Also, there was a pop-up McDowell's. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, in L.A. Uh, it's still there. It's called something else now. But it, but it is essentially a McDowell's. And they got sued by Paramount, not McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oddly enough. That doesn't surprise me, actually.
3: Now, multiple restaurants have jokingly become McDowells for promotional things when they did coming to America too.
0: That makes sense, yeah.
3: They also temporarily made McDonald's McDowells, so like yes. It's meant to poke fun at McDonald's, but McDonald's is in on the joke at the same time.
0: Yeah, I definitely think they're in on the joke and they're not made the butt of it. Like, I, I would understand why McDonald's would be like, yeah, this is like great PR for us. This is
3: free publicity. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: why wouldn't we do this? Thank you so much. They're
3: like, just wait till we get a hold of Marvel. Um,
0: <laughs> exactly. It
3: was prominently featured recently. Anyway, so they get jobs at McDowell's. And oh, that was my other rabbit hole. John Amos who is uh, Mr. McDowell, is an American actor. He was on Good Times, but he was also in Roots. So he plays adult Kuta quinte in Roots. Uh, so when they call Eddie Murphy kunti quinte, it's also kind of a fun in-joke, because literally in the movie. Yeah. But like not only that, because he also ends up on West Wing and, and a, a bunch of others, and Mary Tyler Moore. Like, yeah. Super prolific career. Before he became an actor, he was a comedy writer, and was one of the only staffed black comedy writers on television for almost a decade. Really? Huh. Wow. Yes. Awesome. Before this movie. So on the set of this movie, and he's also in Die Hard 2 and a bunch, and dude has a wild, amazing career. He's one of the most fascinating people. Like, if you get a chance, go read his Wikipedia. But also just watch the documentary because he's in it. He looks amazing for his age. Like, I swear. Anyway he was one of the few people that they would let pitch his own lines in this movie. So there is actually a line that he added that was not written for him. That wasn't written by Eddie. It was just him in the moment being like, I feel like my character would say this because he had a background as a comedy writer and it stayed in the movie. And it's the, I'm going to break my foot off in your Royal ass is all him. Okay. So like he is so fascinating to me that like his life has had that trajectory
0: and that's cool though
3: dig into john amos's career and body of work there's a ton of it yeah man but yeah the the, the fact that he was in the late 60s and also he briefly played for the denver broncos what oh huh. <laughs> yeah that's amazing okay so he he's in 1964 he had a free agent contract with the broncos but we, he was released on the second day of training camp uh but then he played in like lower leagues with uh, the canton bulldogs and juliet explorers uh, in the UFL, because that was a thing at the time. And then he's played in multiple football leagues. He's a big, big dude. Sure, yeah, 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 At one point, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Wild. Yeah, so his first major acting role that he was known for was the Mary Tyler Moore Show. But in between his football career, so like two or three years, from like 1967 to 1970, when he ends up as a regular on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, he was behind the scenes as a writer, which, yeah, like fascinating. He was also one of the only cast members who had worked at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and was not only not only had he worked at McDonald's, he was in a McDonald's commercial. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, fascinating career. Anyway, he's Mr. McDowell, and he's great in this. So funny. Yeah. Louis Anderson's first movie. He ends up pushing him over and having him spill stuff multiple times. It's it's
0: literally the first time I think I saw him on screen.
3: Well, and the way that he got the role, because he was a stand-up at the time. Yeah. And he saw Eddie Murphy come into the restaurant, a restaurant where he was, I believe, either waiting tables or was just eating there. And he paid for Eddie Murphy's whole tab, the whole group. Nice. He was like, put it on my credit card. Don't tell him I did it till after I leave. And he just covered it. And Eddie Murphy called him the next day and was like, hey man, you're funny. I think I got a place for you in this movie. And so this was his first role ever. Awesome. So big deal for him too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, they, they get a job mopping and taking out the trash. And of course he sees Lisa in the office and he like mops past the office a couple times and then mops into the office to be like, when you think of garbage, think
0: of Akeem, (laughs) which is very fun. I love that. He's like, your father has placed me in charge of sanitation <laughs> do you have any trash you'd like me to remove and she's like i think i'm good it's very funny but he like he can read the room so like when he has worn out his welcome he's like okay i'm gonna leave and he does leave like right. he is never not n- like nice or good you know like right in this movie
3: but who should show up but daryl her boyfriend who she's like, I knew you gave me a ton of money for the thing. And he was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, just go with it. Totally. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Meanwhile, this is when Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall go to the barbershop to try and get Jerry curls. And they're like, no, your hair looks (laughs) good as is. Yeah.
0: Like, don't do that.
3: Don't do it. But if you're trying to impress this girl, you should get in good with her dad. And so we cut to him like mopping into the dad's office (laughs) to be like, Hey, did you see the football game? And he's like, no, stay off drugs, which
2: is very funny. Well, I mean, he
0: mobs in and he might as well have been like, did you see that ludicrous display last night? (laughs)
2: That ludicrous (laughs) display last (laughs) night.
0: Because he doesn't, I mean, he actually does sort of nail like the, what happens in the game, but like in a very unfamiliar with this game type of way. Yeah. And so that's why he's like, Akeem, don't do drugs. I'm only going to tell you this once.
3: We cut to Lisa McDowell is hanging out at home and someone has told Akeem, hey, the other guy's rich. He could buy her anything she wants. He's like, well, I'm fucking rich.
0: Like, that's easy. Well, I mean, but he actually, I think, is looking for someone who doesn't want him because he's rich. So, like, I think in his mind, this is like, I mean, sort of a negative but, like, obviously, she's not really that way. We find out.
3: Well, and he buys her a gift but doesn't say who it's from. Right. He's just like, it's an admirer, but not Daryl.
0: Yeah, he does say not Daryl because <laughs> Daryl be taking credit for shit already that he's done. You know? A hundred percent. So. We cut to the next
3: day at McDowell's. Lisa introduces Akeem to her sister, Patrice, and is like, hey, do you want to come with us to the basketball game? Sure. And so now it's like a double date where she's trying to like set up Patrice and Akeem, and he's not feeling it. Patrice, but Patrice is um. Patrice is it.
0: literally feeling it, Paige. Yes.
3: But also, can we have a moment for Daryl's jacket? Yes. Daryl's
0: jacket is everything <laughs> in this scene. <laughs> like red, fringe. It looks like it is crocheted madness. And I love it. I love it. Yeah.
1: It's very 80s. I love it.
0: It looks warm too. Like it looks like like a hug from a friend
3: yeah daryl looks great in every scene and i know he's kind of the villain but he slays this whole movie
0: his dad's invention nails it that's all i'm saying no of course he actually looks the most 80s i've ever seen anyone look i think
3: in a good way yeah in a great way Yeah. (laughs) anyway (laughs) (laughs) yes patrice does try to give him give akeem a handy under a jacket and he like you know kind of Avoids it. He
0: has to stand up to get away from her. Like, yeah, it's that sort of thing.
3: But he goes to go to the bathroom, and two of the concessions guys recognize him and are like, "Oh my god, we're from Zamunda. You're the you're the prince. Holy <laughs> shit, can we take pictures?" And Patrice and Lisa and Daryl watch this happen, and they're like, "Who are those guys?" And he's like, "Oh, they're just people I met in the bathroom." <laughs> like. No worries,
0: which is also I was like, what went on in that bathroom? I know, right? Like what? Why? What happened that they now wanted to take a photo of you? Like anyway. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. But
3: we cut to the next day back at McDowell's where Daryl is like, hey, Lisa, you don't have to work like I can take care of you. And she's like, well, I want to work like I like doing things. I have things that I'm passionate about which I don't know how she's going to work in Zamunda. The movie does not answer that question, but <laughs> I assume she'll find ways to make a difference as a queen. But as they're talking, Samuel L. Jackson comes in with a shotgun to rob McDowells, literally just like pulp fictioning his way into this movie. Amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, he pretty much is pulp fictioning is this is like his audition for pulp fiction, I think on some level.
3: And he fucking crushes it
0: he does well it's opposite pulp fiction right because he's
1: not the one robbing them
0: well yeah so he plays a different role in pulp fiction but i think uh-huh. his voice and like the way he oh yeah, plays yeah this yeah, character yeah. is very much the same vibe they tried to as... steal his motherfucker wallet exactly yeah
3: exactly anyway daryl cowers but akeem unscrews the mop handle and he and arsenio hall disarm samuel l jackson saving the day
0: of course I mean this is what was set up with their like character intro fight scene montage training thing
1: Okay Hear me out. It's very intricate setup for they could have just like pushed him and that would have worked. Like I, and people would have believed it of like people from here don't fight back like that. You know what I mean? Like they could have like tackled him. You
0: mean? Yeah. You didn't need Kung Fu.
1: But like, I get it. That was a long setup, though.
0: You didn't have to like take 30 seconds to unscrew your mop out of its base <laughs> and then like <laughs> Krav Maga your way over to him. Yeah. No, I understand. You're right. He probably put everyone in a lot more danger because that's the way he did it. You know? When you hit a someone holding a like shotgun with a stick, they're probably gonna pull the trigger. So yeah. But everyone's fine. They save the day and then they literally take out the trash. It cuts yeah. from them taking out the trash to them taking out the trash, and I loved it.
3: At which point Mr. McDowell was like, hey, I'm having a party, come to my house. <laughs> Only to show up there and they are employed at the party. Cause they're Sydney the halls the valet and Eddie Murphy is the bartender. Now, this is one of the the times that Eddie Murphy was not on set. So let's talk about it. Okay. According to multiple people, Eddie Murphy saw a doc air quotes documentary hosted by Orson Welles about Nostradamus's <sighs> predictions for the future one of which being that a giant earthquake would hit Los Angeles on a specific day and it would fall into the ocean. Oh,
0: my God.
3: So Eddie Murphy refused to be in and around on la- in Los Angeles on that day. This portion of the movie, this house, was filmed in Los Angeles. So apparently they had to get all of Eddie's scenes done by a certain day and then they did the rest of the party. So you'll notice the Eddie Murphy never leaves the bar at the party. People come up to him at the bar and talk to him yeah. or people are shot in front of him or beside him. And then every other shot of the party is a reverse shot You're right because they shot everyone else two days later. So he is not actually in any of those scenes with anyone. And then the scenes on the, on the swings, they shot separately. But yes, so this is one of those times when Eddie Murphy
0: was not on set for a huge part of this movie. Okay. That is a little wild. It's (sighs) a pretty long sequence here, too. Like, it's not just like a one-off shot. Like, there's a lot going on on this night.
3: Yeah. This is also kind of around the time when he and John Landis were not getting along I don't know if it was before or after the fist fight. I think it may have been before. I feel like we'll talk about the fist fight in Fun Facts because I'm not 100% sure at which point during filming that it happened. Okay. Anyway, so during this party, Daryl goes to talk to Mr. McDowell, and then they announce that he and Lisa are engaged. It is implied that he never asked her. It's not implied. Yeah, it's they we never see him ask her. No, we don't. And it she seems shocked. She's like, "We're breaking up because you did not ask me." Yeah. Yeah, cuz that would be nuts. If somebody just like announced to other people that you were getting engaged, I would be furious.
1: But she's a classy lady cuz she doesn't even do it in front of the people. She's like, "I need to talk to you outside."
0: Yes. She handles this way better than I would have because I think you both know how I
1: would have handled that situation. Oh, you in the middle of the room would have been like, no, we aren't. I'd have been like, oh, good thing I brought this hand grenade. <laughs>
0: Why are you bringing a hand grenade to your potential engagement party? Be prepared, Todd. It's because of the thing we we talked about before we started
3: recording where where Mikey was overreacting to remo- emotional situations.
0: Yeah, no, Paige, that's exactly what I was thinking about, but that was before we started recording, yeah.
1: Guys, I can't believe you didn't bring a grenade to a gunfight, because, like, what are you going to do, shoot me? I have a grenade.
0: Yeah, they would just shoot you, bro.
1: But then I'd be like, uh.
0: Well, you'd have to have thrown the grenade before they shoot you, or you're just going to drop the grenade and blow up. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just like the mystic said, I'd go out. <laughs> Just like it. Yeah.
3: And then I will fall into the ocean. Uh. Anyways, so they're basically breaking up. But she has now kind of like buddied up with Akeem because he was like, "Want some champagne?" Because it seems
0: like this night
3: is wild. Yeah.
0: Well, they actually do, like, sort of connect a little bit here. I liked it, you know? Well, because he's like, no one should marry someone they don't want to marry. I agree. And that's sort of what they connect over. And I do think they had a little bit of, like, chemistry before this because, you know, they've met a few times and talked a few times. Mm-hmm. But I think after this night is when she starts to see him more as, like, a romantic possibility.
3: Yes. So she, in order to thank him for the, you know, engagement stuff and and also Samuel L. Jackson. And just
0: being like a supportive friend. I also think cool she dude. sort of pursues him a little bit because she likes him. And like, yeah, clearly she doesn't want to be with this rich guy who doesn't really consider her a person, but a thing.
3: Right. And so she's like, hey, can we cook? And he's like, oh, come back to my place. But he has also told Arsenio Hall, like, fix up the place if you want, but, like, we are going to work today. Yeah. So Arsenio Hall gets, like, a hot tub and any number of things into that apartment. yeah oh, yes.
0: Shit's so funny. So
3: now he doesn't want to bring her home because she'll think that he's rich, and so they end up going out for dinner instead. Yeah. But he does take those groceries, so, like, I'd be like, yo, if we're going out to dinner, can I have those groceries back?
0: Like, Yeah, like, what are we doing here? Uh- <laughs> anyway,
3: and, and they have... Kind of a very deep conversation, which is nice. But he tells her that he used to herd goats uh, back in Africa and that was the family business.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Anyway, you know, she goes to pay for it and he's like, oh, I can't. And she's like, no, no, no. Stop worrying about being poor. If I wanted a wealthy guy, I'd be with Daryl, not you. Like, I like you.
0: Yeah, I do like, well, what do we do about my sister? What do we do about? And he's like, I'm not interested in your sister. Well, what do we do about Daryl? I'm not interested in Daryl either. Like, I'm here. I'm here to, I'm interested in you.
3: Yes. So they end up dancing and kissing. It's very, very sweet. Uh, meanwhile, Arsenio Hall goes to Western Union to send a telegram back to <laughs> Zamunda being
1: like,
0: Can you send a million dollars, please? I love this scene. They start out at four hundred is it I think it's like three hundred thousand dollars. And they keep like upping it. It's so funny.
1: The lady's like, "Do you think that's enough?" I love the, the 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 dry humor that she has. Oh, it's so funny. The
0: dry humor that she has, and then his obliviousness to it. To me, that's what makes the scene so funny because he thinks she's being genuine.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we cut back to the apartment where Patrice has come to see Akeem but finds Semi and finds the fancy apartment, and he's like, "Okay." I'm the prince. He's my servant. And he basically tells her a lie to kind of keep it going.
0: Yeah. I mean, but that lie makes her interested in Arsenio Hall, right?
3: Right, right. So, like,
0: maybe it's not the best lie. No,
3: but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Akeem comes back and she's like, I won't tell anybody. Don't worry, your secret's safe with me. So, the next day, Lisa and Akeem go to the museum. Her dad's like, I don't like it because he's poor. And she's just like, I don't care. I like him. On the way to the museum, or I guess before they go to the museum, there's kind of an intercut where Lisa's leaving for the museum, but Akeem is still at the apartment. And this is where they switch apartments with the landlord <laughs> so that it looks like there's a poor apartment instead of a rich one.
0: I love I love that because the landlord comes in and is like, what did you guys do to the place? <laughs> and uh, Akeem is like, yeah, sorry. It's, you know, it's terrible how great it looks or whatever. And then... <laughs> He's like, we need a new apartment. And the guy's like, yeah, I guess you can just like take mine. And Akeem's like, is it is it bad? And he's like, yeah, it's a real shithole. Yeah, <laughs> like, talking about his own place. It's so funny. And the guy who plays him, I've seen him in tons of other stuff. Is, he plays it perfectly. It's so funny.
3: Perfect. So Akeem leaves as he leaves. Who should show up at the barbershop downstairs? But James Earl Jones and like half the court of Zamunda. <laughs>
1: the entourage.
3: Yeah, The entourage. I do love that What is that Velvet It's beautiful (laughs) Uh, It's A full Full blown lion With jewel eyes
1: It's full on His character From Lion King It
3: is But okay Eddie Murphy's character Has a similar one And I don't want A real fur version Of this Because I don't want To kill anything To make it happen
1: Right But what if you Clone something To kill and make it happen
3: No I just want one that looks like it's house cats with sparkly eyes, but I don't want to kill any cats to do it. But you want to wear a house cat around your shoulder? I think it would take multiples. I'm a big lady, but like (laughs) fake ones, not a real cat, but like just for the vibes, right? Like I felt like, I feel like if I walked into a room with what looks like a sash made of house cats with glitter eyes, people would be like, who is she?
1: I feel the same way, but it's like high school teachers I didn't like. You want to wear them around you like a scarf? Not all of them, just the the ones you didn't like, just the skin over my shoulder, you know.
3: It I want it, it's fur. It's almost like a fur coat, like a weird looking fur coat.
1: What's weirder looking of a fur coat than a person?
3: Look, this is my vision board and this is one of the things that it says.
1: Wear things that scare you.
3: And I think this would
0: fit that bill.
1: <laughs> That's a vision. <laughs>
0: I do think it would fit that bill. Like, if you came in wearing house cats with diamond eyes, I would immediately seek help for you. That's just because you're not ready for it. I'm not ready for the potential of your murdering kittens and putting diamonds in their eyes. I'm not,
3: I don't, like, I already said, I don't want real cats. I want fake fur that people are going to be like, is that real cats? No, no one would ever. (laughs) Like, that's what I want.
1: Look, if you got an animal, I'll wear it. That's just how it is now. That's how I feel. We should clone it. If you cl- you clone anything for me, I'll murder it and I'll wear it.
3: Anything? Mikey, I feel like you should get a brontosaurus sash. Like we clone a Fuck dinosaur, yes. you hunt it and then you wear it like alligator skin boots.
1: I'm working out this year a lot. I want to go as like Fred Flintstone, like Jack Fred Flintstone for Halloween, I think.
0: Mikey, I fully support this. I think we should absolutely do it. Would that make me Barney?
3: No, I feel like you definitely have Bam Bam energy.
1: You really have the vibe of the pterodactyl, the, the pterodactyl yes. that like screeches the records, you know?
3: Yes, or the one that's a time card punch.
1: <laughs> I don't know
3: enough about the Flintstones to be offended, so I'm going to let it slide, I guess. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go as a cool mid century modern Lilo Dallas, so you guys can suck it.
0: Yeah, multi pass. But
1: anyway, if I did survive a Jurassic Park dinosaur trying to kill me type incident,
0: uh huh, you would definitely wear it. I think in the future that Mikey wants at every clothing retailer, you would have to hunt the dinosaur. They're gonna make the leather pants from.
3: Okay. I'm going to need monkey's paws, like big monkey's paws Uh as a bra. Like, you know that shot where it's like Janet Jackson and a guy's holding her boobs up? They actually Mm -hmm. make those now. The brand's called hoo-hoo ta-tas. Willem, one of the the drag queens I follow, cast her own hands to make a bra out of her own hands.
0: I respect the hell out of that.
3: And it looks... Amazing And I I love that My hands are not big enough But I have thoughts About ways to maybe Make something like that happen Alright Wear what scares you Hands
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wear heights <laughs> Yeah you can Tom Cruise has been doing it His whole career Oh
1: That's funny
0: You didn't laugh at my Hoo-hoo tatas joke either Mikey God I thought that was gonna get you
1: I don't know if Clothing puns are for me Maybe like a bread thing <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're notably very good with that.
1: Look, let's keep this dinner rolling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need uh, to move on, Paige. Damn it. I think we're done. Let's just... No, we're
3: not done. Anyway. It's fine, wrap it up. They, they go to the landlord's apartment, which was their apartment. Then they go down to the one that Arsenio Hall is in. They're like, the fuck is wrong with you? We're going to punish you by having you stay at our suite at the Waldorf. And he's like, thank God. <laughs> like, oh, Yes. So tired of Queens. But this is how they find out that he works at McDowell's. So they show up at McDowell's, and Mr. McDowell's like, hey, I'm pretty sure that he's out with my daughter Lisa. If he comes by, I'll call you. Great. So they come back to his house, Lisa and Akeem. They've been to the museum. They end up making out to avoid seeing the picture of his family in the museum because it's artifacts from Zamunda. Yeah. And I do love... That we do see Mr. McDowell on a hamburger
0: phone. It is a good touch.
3: It's a very fun hamburger phone.
0: I giggled. Fun fact it's the same phone from Juno. <laughs>
3: it's the same. W- I mean, I don't know, but it's like the it's same not. vibe. It's like the same. S- it's vibe. like a
0: hamburger phone. Yeah.
3: But he's also reading the McDonald's operation manual. Yeah. As he's on the hamburger phone, which, again, that's how you know that McDonald's did sign off on this because it's fully their logo. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Once Mr. McDowell finds out that Akeem might be rich, he's like, you're my new favorite guy. Welcome back to the house. I made you guys pigs in a blanket. But my favorite is that for his silence, the king's servant pays him like Zamunda money. And he looks and he's like, he's actually got his face on the money. And I was like, what do you think the exchange rate is on that money?
0: <laughs> I bet it's pretty good, honestly, or pretty close to even because he's like, how much do you want? I'll give you... 1 million American dollars And then 2 (laughs) million American dollars So, like, I do think that they are a very wealthy nation.
3: You think that they've been harvesting a lot of that sweet, sweet vibranium? Got it.
0: I do sort of. I mean, it's not, like, it's not at all Black Panther, but it is like if Black Panther went to America to find a bride. So, like, except there's no, like, MCU that, like, slows down the love story that I wanted Black Panther to be. Oh, honestly, (laughs) though?
3: That would have been amazing.
0: I mean, I didn't want it to be that, but I would have taken it.
3: Anyway. They're at the house. Mr. McDowell calls the king to be like, he's here, come over. But while they're on their way over, Eddie Murphy's like, I've got to go. I've got to, you know, go to my parents. You stay here. So they just miss them. Eddie Murphy gets to the Waldorf just in time to pick up Arsenio Hall, but the king, the queen, and everyone else makes it to McDowell's house. So everyone shows up there together to reveal to Lisa that, like, hey, he's a prince. But then James Earl Jones is just like, yeah, but you're kind of like, I don't know, common. (laughs) So you can't marry our our (laughs) prince. (laughs) And she's like, what? And he's like, also, he's definitely marrying this other bitch. And she's just like, what? Understandably upset. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, and honestly, like everyone in Eddie Murphy's life. Like, assumes he is marrying that hopping, barking lady from, like, the very beginning of this movie when he comes back. Right, right, right.
3: right. Yeah. Anyway, Eddie Murphy chases her down onto the train. And he's like, I would give it all up for you. Like, I love you. I I don't love that woman. I'd never met her. I don't care about the kingdom. I just want you. And she still turns him down. So he goes back to Zamunda. He's going to marry this woman he doesn't know. But we get a shot of James Earl Jones being like, well... He can't marry her. It, like, it's tradition. And she said, no, it's not my problem. And his wife, the queen, is like, yeah, but, like, tradition should change. So, you know, like, you were kind of a dick to her. Maybe if we were nicer, she wouldn't, you know, say no. Also, when he gets off the train... He walks past a poster called See You Next Wednesday starring Jamie Lee Curtis. See You Next Wednesday is a recurring gag in most of the films directed by John Landis, usually referring to a fictional film that is rarely seen and never in its entirety. That's
0: very funny.
3: So each instance of See You Next Wednesday seems to be a completely different film. So uh, (laughs) the title is originally from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, it's the last line spoken by Frank Poole's father during Poole's video letter from his parents. See you next Wednesday. It first shows up in John Landis's first film, Schlock, then Kentucky Fried Movie. It shows up as well. It shows up in Blues Brothers on a billboard, which also features a large gorilla. The one in American Werewolf in London is advertised as uh, in a pornographic theater as a nonstop orgy <laughs> in Trading Places. It is glimpsed in Jamie Lee Curtis's apartment and on the poster it's directed by William Wyler and stars Laurence Olivier, Merle Oberon and David Niven, the real director and stars of Wuthering Heights. (laughs) In the end of Coming Soon, there's a clip from recent film trailers, including poster art, followed by Jamie Lee Curtis giggling at the inside joke. In Michael Jackson's music video, Thriller, the phrase is spoken by a deputy in the werewolf film that Michael and his girlfriend are watching. It's also visible as a poster on the outside of the cinema as they leave. In the Twilight Zone movie, an SS officer says, see you next Wednesday in German. In Spies Like Us, it's a recruiting poster. and in Into the Night, it's a poster for movies. And in Coming to America... It's on the New York City subway station, and it stars Dan Aykroyd, Sybil Danning, Jamie Lee Curtis, Moe Howard, James Brown, and Kara Young. All people featured in other films where this has been a film gag. And then it ends up in a number of other ones, including the Michael Jackson video, Black or White. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, there's a great Wikipedia list of all of them. Because it goes on after people realized he was doing this, a bunch of other people do it as a joke in their stuff, too, including multiple episodes of Doctor Who and Sharknado 5. Okay. So there you go. Anyway. He gets back to Zamunda. The wedding is about to happen. His bride comes down to the aisle in a giant, amazing pink princess dress that I am obsessed with. <laughs> and he lifts the veil, and it is Lisa. Which is played as a surprise. It yeah, is, yeah, yeah.
1: But they, can't, they have a wild kiss, yeah. too. It's they a, have
3: a wild. It's a good one. Like
0: they're at Chewies with Mikey.
3: Yeah. Mm. And they're like, hey, this isn't even the part of the meal where you make out with your significant other you got to wait until the waitress says, do you take this queso to be delicious? <laughs> anyway, then they do show a brief shot of who I think is the original bride ending up with Arsenio Hall. But it's unclear. It's vague. But everyone else is in wonderful coordinated pastels. And they, as they drive away, she says, would you really have given all of this up for me? And he says, we still can. And she goes, nah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, the, that's movie.
0: the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about coming to America?
3: It's a classic for a reason. Yeah. I really enjoyed it today. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: It does very much feel like a this era SNL movie. Yes, which I like. I'm here for. But I do understand that like the, the, when you break away and do like the bits that feel like SNL sketches, it does slow down the pace of the movie. But I like it. It's a great movie. I like it, and I guess I would like I liked it more uh, before Eddie Murphy went into the whole clumps
1: era or whatever, like
3: era.
2: I think
1: yeah. era. Oh, what movies were those? Nutty Professor is how it started. Yeah, the
0: Nutty Professor. Yeah, Nutty
1: Professor, Nutty Professor two, and yeah. then the clumps. The clumps. Yes, and
0: then Norbit.
1: Yes. Seeing it for the first time, you're just like, I know what's to come, and there's like more dread with it. Did you know the Norbits a rom com? <laughs> So's Nutty Professor, I think. <laughs>
0: kind of, yeah. In a way, yeah. I'm <laughs> sensing a theme month.
2: <laughs> and Eddie Murphy plays everyone theme
0: month.
2: Would <laughs> <laughs> be wild.
3: Not opposed. Uh. Not we did one for nicholas cage i'm just
0: saying we did you know. so uh Paige, do you have any fun facts for us i do well here it is with your fun facts Norbit. going to america fun, fun facts. facts let's
3: talk about the fist fight
0: yes tell me tell me the tea baby yeah
3: okay so now there have been a myriad of different stories about how and why this fist fight took place and if it was even really a fist fight But the story that multiple people seem to agree on is that Dave and Barry, the screenwriters who were on set for most of this movie, and even briefly take over some coordination and I guess like calming people down duties as this happens, they were not only the writers of this movie, but they were in the process of writing a pilot for Eddie Murphy's production company. Now, because of that, all of their expenses were supposed to be paid by that production because they were under contract. Paramount had kind of dragged their feet on the contract, so it wasn't necessarily anyone's fault other than Paramount, but they had not been paid for their time or their expenses for what they were working on. And it was while they were also on the set for this movie, which meant that some of their expenses were being accru- like accrued on this movie. The movie was paying for some of the stuff that should have been charged to the production company. They're kind of caught in the middle. Yeah, okay. John Landis, notably, has not always been the easiest director to work with. And in the time frame in which this movie is taking place, like he did Trading Spaces... Then he ends up on trial for the deaths that occurred during the Twilight Zone film. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: And does get acquitted. However, that really kind of messed with his career a little bit, but he makes like thriller and stuff while the trial is going on. But in that time, Eddie Murphy had become a big star and he had been a little less bankable because of the press. Yeah. Uh, So there was a kind of conflict of two strong personalities on set. He is also a very exacting director and wanted control over things like the scripts, although he and the writers got along very well and ultimately settled on the script. He was very specific about how he wanted things to be done. So was Eddie. So they had kind of clashed a couple times. And amid one of these clashes, some people say that he made a comment about not paying Barry and Dave to Eddie. And of course, Eddie's not the one directly responsible for that. It's the production company people or whatever. But allegedly, Eddie took that very personally. That's one version of the story. Other people say that Eddie said something first. Who knows? I feel like I've heard more people say that John Landis made that comment and Eddie did not react well to it. Sure. And allegedly... He put John Landis in a headlock is what some people say. Some people say John Landis swung first. It's unclear. No one has a directly clear recollection of what happened, but Barry and Dave separate them. And John Landis gets in his car, calls his lawyer and says, get me off this fucking movie. Whatever you have to do. Good Lord. Okay. Fucking out. <laughs> I
0: am out.
2: <laughs> and he
3: retreats to his trailer furious but he's not going to leave the set. It's his movie. This is his baby, right? Uh, apparently, John Landis's lawyer is like, hey, I called the studio, and if you leave the movie, they won't pay you, and you kind of need money right now because of the stuff, so you're going to have to figure this out. So he comes back to set, and Dave and Barry kind of act as the go-between that day, and they go to John Landis and say that Eddie apologized even though he did not. (laughs) That's what everyone agrees on, that Eddie didn't apologize, but they told John Landis he did. So then John Landis goes to Eddie's trailer and they agree that they'll finish shooting the day, but they are no longer friends and no longer going to speak for the remainder
0: of the production. (laughs) Reasonable. They had a meeting to decide they were no longer friends. This is like grade school level bullshit and I'm here for No it.
3: longer friends. Yeah, But then for the rest of the movie, the rest of the production of this movie Eddie Murphy's Uncle Ray was on set and so they, he would be the go between where they would like te- if they needed to tell Eddie something they would tell Uncle Ray and he would tell Eddie or then Uncle Ray would tell the assistant director who would tell John Landis and so they were like there was like a weird telephone train because John Landis and Eddie Murphy refused to speak they that refusal to speak and interact continued through the premiere of the film. Oh my god. So they were both at the premiere <laughs> and did not speak to each other. Wild. Now, of course, John Landis, famously successful director. Like he yes. has a crazy successful career. Right. Yes. He goes on to keep making famous movies until Beverly Hills Cop Three comes along. And the studio calls and is like, hey, man, do you want to direct Beverly Hills Cop 3? And he's like, who's playing Eddie Murphy? Because, like, clearly he and I can't be on the same set. And they were like, no, Eddie Murphy requested you. Do you guys not get along? And he's like, I'm sorry. Did you all? And it is Paramount still. Same studio. They're like, did you all forget when we spent half of Coming to America not talking to each other? And they were like, oh, well, I guess you guys could work that out. <laughs> he goes to Eddie Murphy's house and is like, what is up, man? And Eddie Murphy is just like, hey, like, I get it. Water under the bridge. But you're the guy. You're the best guy for this. The script is fucked up. You got to fix it and make it into a good movie. And they make Beverly Hills Cop 3. And then now are speaking they are on speaking terms they're
0: friends again i guess i mean that's great that's great is landis direct are they is he directing the new one oh i don't know uh let me let me take a look i do want to point out that when we were driving through beverly hills mikey did pull out his phone and play the beverly hills <laughs> cop theme song <laughs> the whole time we were driving through town he threatened to if we found a cop make us pull over so he could go up and play it around the cop timely references uh
3: no he's not directing the new one i'm looking at the new one
1: i saw the trailer to the new one and i'm not gonna lie to you it doesn't look terrible and i'm kind of excited about it i'm excited about it underrated franchise for me the trailer does not look terrible Yeah.
3: anyway so that's that's the fist fight (laughs) while he was in the makeup and clothing for his jewish character saul eddie murphy would walk around the neighborhood and tell people he was eddie murphy and nobody believed him that was pretty fun uh so rick baker did the makeup for all of the different characters they brought him in specifically to do that now, the unhoused men that receive the money from Prince Hakim are the Duke brothers from Trading, trading Places. Yeah. Uh, it is a shared universe, and the Duke's theme from the movie can also be hear- heard in the background. Yeah. And apparently, originally, John Landis didn't want to do it, even though he's known for breaking the fourth wall in his movies. And he got in an argument with producer George Folsey over it. Now, Folsey was also the producer on the Twilight Zone movie, so they had just gone through, like, a trial together or whatever, but Eddie Murphy thought it was a great idea. So Eddie Murphy and George versus John Landis, they end up in the mo- Those two guys end up in the movie. And George Folsey never works with John Landis again after this movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now,
3: in a deleted scene, Co- Cooper Gooding Jr. had lines where uh, he says that he doesn't have the money to pay for his haircut and Clarence, Eddie Murphy's character, responds by shaving a bald patch out of his hair. Uh, but that scene was deleted. Oh, they shaved his head and then cut his
0: scene. Oh, yes, they cut his scene. Oh, I mean, he goes on to be a hugely famous star. So, like, whatever. Sure, sure, but sure. Yeah, like, that's so sad. Oh, okay.
3: Let's talk about the dance again. So, Paula Abdul obviously borrowed a little bit from her Can't Buy Me Love dance that she choreographed. Parts of the rest of the dance are also the dance from Thriller mixed together at a higher tempo.
0: Yeah. it's, It's way faster. Yeah.
3: I briefly mentioned that there were lawsuits. Let's talk about them. Uh, Five different lawsuits uh, were filed against this movie after its release. Only one went to court. Most of the rest were thrown out. One of them was from a man who claimed to be an African prince and that this was based on his life that was thrown (laughs) out.
2: The one that actually
3: goes to court is for humorist and columnist Art Buckwald, who sued Paramount Pictures alleging that Paramount had optioned his story but then took his script idea and turned it into this movie and he won and was awarded damages Now, the two writers, Sheffield and Blaustein, took most of the blame for this since they wrote the script on their own, not knowing that the idea was stolen. And they have basically been falsely accused of stealing the screenplay. They later found out that Paramount knew about this, knew they had an option for a similar story. Now, I would argue it's different enough to be parallel thinking. Sure, I'm surprised that they awarded him. But Paramount just settled; they didn't actually go to court. A lot of times they'll
0: do it because it's cheaper than to fight it's it. Yeah, cheaper
3: cause... than fighting it, uh-huh. and I think
0: that's what probably happened. You can pay someone off for like hundred grand, or you can hire the best lawyers for three hundred grand to fight it.
3: Exactly, and unfortunately, though, that left the two writers out of the loop. Now they have basically said, hindsight being twenty twenty, they should have sued. For defamation, because they did not, at least to their understanding, they didn't steal this. But it has negatively impacted their careers. Uh, They were denied entry to the, or denied membership to the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences.
2: That sucks. Oh, wow.
3: So they can't vote for the Oscars. So, yeah, it's, there's a whole bunch of stuff with that one that you're kind of like, oh, that's rough. Anyway, Paramount originally gave them notes for things that had to be in the movie, John Landis has talked about in a couple different interviews that one of them was a car chase, which does not occur in the movie. They rejected that studio note. But on an episode of Jimmy Kimmel Live, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall said that they were mandated to cast a white comedian in the movie because... Had they not cast Louis Anderson, there wouldn't really be any white actors in the movie, which honestly, who cares? It's fine. I mean, the 80s
0: cared, which sucks. But yeah, no, I agree.
3: Now, here's the thing. Not that Louis Anderson did a bad job, uh, but like, you know, it was not necessary. It could have been anybody Uh, anyway. But apparently they gave them multiple names and chose Louis Anderson uh, because they were fans of his comedy and they didn't reveal who the two other options are. I don't know how true that is, considering Louis' story is very different, but that also could have just been Louis not knowing what the studio was doing. Yeah. And Louis was a stand up at the time of some note. I mean, he had been touring for a long time, he was a well known stand up comedian. It's very possible that both stories are true just from different perspectives. Yeah,
1: I really liked his cartoon Life with Louie back in the day when I was a child. Yeah, right? It was a good one.
3: Okay, so some of Eddie Murphy's entourage demands included a $1,500 a week personal trainer, which that doesn't surprise me. That's that's normal on most Marvel movies these days, but at the time it was unusual. Round-the-clock chauffeur service, a valet, And a thousand dollars a week for his brother to appear as his stand in. So, Charlie Murphy does appear in this movie as a stand in multiple times. Heck yeah. However, like that sounds crazy now, but when you think about the fact that they were filming on location in Queens and fans would just show up to the set, like hundreds of fans every day because they knew Eddie Murphy would be there. Yeah. Some of that, I think, while, you know, people are like, it's crazy. And I'm like, It's not he can't just drive around and walk around like, yeah, he has to kind of have people there with him. So that kind of makes sense. One of Eddie Murphy's songs appears in this movie. The song is called I Got It. I do remember at one point. Party all the time.
1: Party all the time. Yeah. He, yeah. I, he was trying to be a pop star and released a song that like, Oof. I mean, like at this time he was a mega star. He was
0: huge. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now in this movie, when they, when James Earl Jones comes to McDowell's and talks to McDowell and basically says like, don't tell them that I'm looking for them. Essentially he says, quote, no, do not alert him to my presence. I shall deal with him myself. This is actually a callback to Return of the Jedi in which he has a similar line. Yeah. No, leave them to me. I will deal with them myself. And that's also basically connected to a line in Empire Strikes Back where he kills an admiral for an error saying they've been alerted to your presence. Yeah. So they kind of combined The two. Awesome. In 2015, I'll end on this one. In 2015, John Landis revealed that he feels like the movie is too slow, and he requested that Paramount allow him to produce a director's cut for the Blu-ray edition, which would have shortened the film 15 to 20 minutes to improve its pacing. That's a little bit under what I said oh
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i feel so vindicated
3: paramount refused saying the original movie was too successful which honestly yeah if once it's that you can't do anything yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, you know what one more rick baker who did all the makeup in this also would go on to work on nutty professor nutty professor two and the clumps and norbit of course and those are your fun facts well
0: thank you for those fun facts page and the bonus fact let's talk a little bit about box office so what do you think The—and I'll be honest with you, this is an estimated budget— For coming to America was In 1988 It looked big It looked big budget
3: I actually know I have to recuse myself I know all the box office stuff
0: Yeah it happens When you gotta do that research Sometimes I'm gonna say 14 million Okay Mikey I think you might be surprised To know it was 30 million dollars In 88 In 88 Which is Big budget movie Yeah that's 77 million dollars Today roughly 77.2 Technically So This movie came out on July 1st, 1988 And it was number one in the theaters The week it came out It beat the number two movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit Number three was Big Number four was Bull Durham And number five was Crocodile Dundee The 80s had some movies, guys Yep Anyway, what do you think Coming to America made in its opening weekend?
3: I have to recuse myself again
0: Mikey, what do you got? 13000000 million? You're a little far away. It was $21.4 Good million dollars in its opening weekend. Yeah, it was number one for its first three weeks, number two in its fourth week, number three in its fifth week, number four in its sixth week. And then it finally fell out of the theaters 12 weeks later. And even that last week, it was 10 in the theaters. And was only in 830 of them. Anyway, this movie was a hit. What do you think it made domestically in the box office?
3: I think I also have to recuse myself on this
1: one. Okay. Sorry.
0: No, no, you're good. Mike, you take a guess. $140 million. So it brought in $128.1 million domestically, but hang on. It also brought in another $160.6 million internationally. For a total of $288.8 million worldwide, Uh, and if you adjust that for inflation, that is roughly $743.8 million today. So this movie made a lot of money. I mean, even in the $88, it was a $30 million budget, again, estimated, and it brought in $200 million. And $88.8 million in 80s dollars. That's crazy. That's like Avengers money. Yeah. Anyway, that's your box office. So, Mike, do you want to hit him with that romance scale?
1: Yeah, our romance scale is a scale of one to four of how romantic we found this film today. Right. Paige.
3: I'm going to go one and a half. I feel like this movie is a lot more about Eddie Murphy's journey than their romance. But there is still some romance in there. I'm going to go like 1.5.
0: Yeah, I'll go go one, but largely because it is really, like, from Eddie Murphy's perspective, we don't really get a lot of the romance of them falling in love, just that he, like, hyper-focuses on this one lady and eventually achieves the goal of falling in love with her. You know, it's not, like, a lot about the romance itself. But I like the movie.
1: I also give it a one, because it's, like, cute, but it's not, like, romantic. Yeah. And that's our romance scale.
0: So this week, I made you guys watch Coming to America page... Do you want to announce who we're having on and what their movie is since it's technically your turn in the rotation, but sure, sure. we're sure. taking a pause in the rotation to do this, right? So yeah,
3: yes, there was a lot of requests in the Facebook group to bring back a favorite guest. So Crystal will be joining us again uh very excited and Crystal picked Why Did I Get Married.
0: Okay. So, that's what we will be watching Ooh. next week. I have not seen Why Did I Get Married so I am looking forward to uh, seeing that for the first time and then hanging out with Crystal who I do enjoy a lot. She's great. Yeah, of yeah. course. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yeah. SC Grinner. Well, what does SC Grinner have to say? Four out of four lion roars. Oh, all right. That's uh mm, okay. that's a very
1: sexy review right there. They say love, love, love this podcast. Oh. Special shout out to the neglected Todd because I am <laughs> too a younger sibling. Pardon emoji. <laughs> uh, keep up the good work. You did you really did have me at hello. P.S. If you're feeling brave, you can play the Romancing the Pod drinking game. Pick one of the following. Drink when Paige says, anyway. Mikey talks about being single, and Todd just says, Mikey.
0: <laughs> I love how mine five is. Stars. I just say your name, Mikey. <laughs> say my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for that awesome five star review, uh, SC Grinner. And if you want to have Mikey read your five star review, leave us a five star review. Now, I'm going to read a comment from our Spotify episode. In fact, our most recent one, which is the Just Right episode, literally. Just came out today, and I'm going to be honest with you, there were a lot of comments that were like, pro 48 oyster lady, I do definitely think the audience has spoken and that we were right to have been on her side in that, because she like, was going anyway and bought her own I was
3: on her side, y'all
0: slandered 48 oyster
3: lady, and I stay supporting my sister's.
0: So you just didn't well, hear what I lady, said during man. that time then cause No what I, I said did was I listened to it today She could like do whatever the fuck she wanted Because she was paying for it
3: After y'all slandered her for eating that many
0: oysters For like 20 that's minutes That's a lot of fucking oysters That's a lot so of many oysters If I was I, like uh, I'm going to eat 48 corn dogs You'd be like I'm worried about you I'm not a flip flopper. I still think it was too many oysters. We also, okay, so that, Mikey, what you just said uh, brings us to today's Spotify comment, and that is from May May Tay Tay, and I'm not making that up. This comment uh-huh. came in. Tay Taying in the wind. <laughs> Taying in the wind. <laughs> this comment came in nine hours ago, which means it was pretty close to like as soon as they finished listening to it, immediately <laughs> after it dropped. Like it's that good, kind of good. fan. Anyway, and it says, I love oysters. Okay, I'm sure you've talked about this before, but I cannot handle how Mikey pronounces oyster like moisture. Thank you. I thought moisture was bad, but oyster is a hundred times worse. Love y'all. <sighs> and that's, again, from Maymay Tay Tay. Thank you. Well, Maymay Tay Tay, I'd like to
1: tell you that I'm coming for you. <laughs>
3: what? <laughs> He's got a grenade
0: <laughs> Mikey maybe you should Save that for this person who I'm also gonna I don't read comment, their comment on your
1: Instagram and shit
0: You do so leave me alone <laughs> Well Mikey Maybe let me let me read a positive Mikey one how about that this one's from Carrie and it does mention the oysters But let me get to the end of it before you judge mm. It says the oyster Discussion almost took me out of it also I'd buy Mikey as many Wings as he wants And that is from Carrie. Thanks, Carrie. Hell yeah. Anyway, if you want to have me read your Spotify comment, leave us a Spotify comment and I will read them on the episodes. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts.
3: That's going to be it for us. You guys, I'm Paige.
0: I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd.
3: And you complete us.
1: To completion. I'm just looking for one oyster. I'm a one oyster moisture kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, Mikey, is my
0: phone ringing over there? I can, there? Find, my phone? I can
1: find the pearl.
0: What, Todd, you
1: saying you lied to your wife on your wedding day is the wildest story, and it's my perfect moment. It's a perfect moment for
0: me. I honestly don't feel that bad about it. You know who didn't get hurt? Anybody. Well, at the end, I think you guys didn't do well. Oh, but that was, like, largely because we were 25 years old. <laughs>
1: Yeah.